This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation. Welcome to today's Bright Focus chat. It's called What's Ahead for Gene Therapy and AMD. If this is your first time on a chat, welcome. I want to tell you a little bit about who we are and what we'll do today. Bright Focus is funding some of the top researchers in the world. Those are scientists that are trying to find better treatments and prevention and ultimately cures for macular degeneration and glaucoma and Alzheimer's. Here at Bright Focus, we believe that research equals hope and that science is giving us hope that these, that these very um, debilitating diseases don't have to be uh, an inevitable part of aging. And so with, with products such as today's chat, we try to bring you the latest news from the field of research and, um, and give you an opportunity to, to ask a few questions. We also have a lot of materials on our website, brightfocus.org. So today, first-time guest uh, joining us, Dr. Ashard Kahani. He's joining us today from Nevada, where he's a retinal specialist, and he also runs clinical trials to try to develop new treatments for, for AMD. So with that, uh, Dr. Ashad Kahani, uh, welcome. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I'm happy to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Great. Would you mind telling a little bit about your background and, and kind of most importantly, why you wanted to go into vision health and research? Absolutely. So I am a retina specialist, uh, a medical and a surgical uh, medical doctor trained in ophthalmology with a fellowship in retina to really cater to the back of the eye diseases. And I also run a big, busy research department here at CRI Associates in Reno, and I also teach students. I'm an associate professor at the local University of Nevada, Reno School of Medicine. Interestingly, I got into vision because my grandmother lost one of her eyes after a surgery uh, when I was very little, and I was going to the physicians uh, with her on a daily basis, and I was really intrigued by the tools and technologies ophthalmologists was using, and hence I got into ophthalmology. Well, that, that's great. No, it's really, uh, really interesting how an experience like that can can shape where you where you want to go with your with your career. And we we asked you to be to be a part of today's discussion because we understand you're working with a company called Regenx Bio on something called RJX314, which uh, is is you know a new and exciting um, possible treatment for for AMD. So, I wonder if you could tell us. Um, uh, about gene therapy, about what you know, kind of what this approach is, and and um, uh, you know what what makes you um, uh, excited about the progress you're making. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, it is a really exciting time in our specialty. So, just as a background, patients with wet macular degeneration, we have multiple uh, FDA-approved treatments, but they're all injections that are a performing office in the eye on every month to every other month basis. So for wet macular degeneration, we have treatments, but it is a big burden for patients to come in every uh, so often to get their treatments, and they need to continue on that treatment in most cases uh, for a really long time. So RGX314 by Regenx Bio is a gene therapy treatment. So when people hear about gene therapy treatment, they start wondering, what it is, the basic concept is that you take a vector which is non-infectious, so vectors, uh, viral vectors that are found on your skin and all over the body that don't do anything, and you put a code, a genetic code for 
the drug that you want your eye to produce. So in this case, uh, it's, it's a protein that's similar to an approved uh, medication uh, that is already, you know, people receive in clinics. So you basically deliver that gene therapy to the eye, and then your eye becomes a biofactory and start producing the protein. So the goal is that we can essentially have uh, decreased burden for our patients where you're producing this protein so you don't have to get injected. So in a subset of patients, you can essentially uh, control the disease without getting any more treatment. That's amazing. Really sounds like uh, like something science fiction. And I think, um, you know, I think Dr. Kanani, when, when people, a lot of us, when we think about gene therapy, we think about genetics, we think about the, the things that make us who we are, you make us uh, in, in, as individuals. Uh, does what does gene therapy for AMD? Does it change someone's genetic makeup, uh, our DNA, or does it sort of help or adjust that? That that's a very good question, Michael. It comes a lot uh, when I'm discussing this with patients. So this is not changing anything about who you are. This is only about adding a gene for a drug in your cells in the eye so that you don't have to get that drug injected in the eye. So the viral vector is injected in the eye and, and it goes to the cells of the retina. So it's not going out of your body or changing anything. It's just going to the cells in the retina. And now those retinal cells, in addition to producing a lot of different proteins, add this protein and then this protein controls the disease. So it is really uh, the treatment of the future. Uh, as you know, FDA has approved a gene therapy for another uh, disease um, a few years ago. So we have, uh, you know, an approval on it. So this is not changing anybody's gene genetic makeup. This is not doing anything but adding a gene for the protein that you need to control the disease. Oh, great. Uh, thank you. And Dr. County, one question that a number of our listeners have already submitted. Um, I believe you mentioned this is currently for wet AMD. Are there other types of, of macular degeneration where you think gene therapy uh, could be a benefit? Uh, yes, that's a great question, Michael. So, so RGX314 is looking at patients with wet macular degeneration and also with diabetic retinopathy. So diabetic patients also receive frequent injections to control their disease. So RGX314 is being looked at in that disease also. Uh, yes, for dry macular degeneration, there's some early programs that are looking at gene therapy to produce certain proteins so that you can slow down the vision loss from advanced dry macular degeneration. As you know, there's no current treatment for dry macular degeneration, and, and we are looking for it. But but gene therapy is being looked at, but it's much earlier stage. The RGX program, the Regenx Bio program, actually for their wet macular degeneration uh, delivery under the retina is in the pivotal trial, meaning this is the registration trial before it can be approved. So, so it is still not approved. It is still uh, in research, but it is ahead of other programs. And in dry MD, we have programs, but they're very early. Sure. And um, Dr. Connie, uh, I was wondering, you know, our listeners, um, you know, may have heard of uh, stem cell stem cell therapy over the years, and I, I think there's been some a uh, little bit of a, a complicated, controversial topic. Um, is gene therapy uh, the same or different from stem ther from stem cell therapy? 
No, no. Gene, gene therapy is is totally different. So you are actually delivering uh, a gene for a protein. So all proteins that are produced in the body have a code. So we all have our DNA, and then all of our body cells have codes of 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 genes that produce the protein. So gene therapy is just putting uh, the, in the retinal cells in the eye the protein code to produce this protein to control the disease. Stem cells actually are cells that can be tried, can be, you know, attempting to be made to do a function based on the specific organ. And, and yes, there were some uh, stem cell um, uh, incidences where unregistered, non-FDA control uh, setting people got injections in the eye and they ended up with a poor outcome. So this is nothing like that. This is gene therapy. This is totally different. And all the trials that we participate in, all the major companies like Regenic Bio do are all FDA uh, controlled trials. So totally different. I don't want people to confuse gene therapy to stem cells. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That very strong distinction, Dr. Kahani. And I think that, you know, what, what you mentioned, Dr. Kahani, pivots well to talking about clinical trials. And I think because of the, the COVID vaccines, I think Americans are, are much more familiar with clinical trials than, you know, than before a year or two ago. But I think for a lot of us, clinical trials are, are that box that's at the bottom of the form at the doctor's office and you check yes or no. And I think a lot of us, you know, whether you want to participate. So it seems like something people aren't particularly familiar with. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how did, in this you know, case with the RGX314 or others, how does a clinical trial work uh, for AMD? Absolutely. So I think when people hear the word trial, they always assume that they're being a guinea pig and uh, they, they should participate. And, you know, we currently have 60-plus clinical trials. So clinical trials are the only way to get approved treatments um, for all diseases. So, you know, obviously FDA is a very robust program where we make sure that patient safety is a priority. And then all the protocols that are written and all the products that are utilized in trials are actually looked at by the FDA before they can be injected into humans. We have longstanding data um, in non-human primates and, and others before the FDA can allow it. So specifically the RGX314 subretinal program actually is now in the pivotal stage. So this is the final stage uh, before FDA will approve it. And in this, in this trial, especially, you are comparing the treatment to standard of care injections in the eye. So FDA will never do a trial uh, for a treatment without a control arm if there is available treatment. So before wet macular degeneration treatments were approved, the people had control or sham or placebo you call it versus treatment, but now all the trials that are looking at treatments for a disease like wet macular where we have injections are looking at comparing the new treatment to the old treatment. And this treatment already has generated uh, over three years or so of data of safety and efficacy in the earlier phase 1B2 trials. So when you look at trials, there's phase one, phase two, and phase three. So phase one trials, Michael, are the ones where you're doing first-in-human studies to look at safety and an efficacy signal in phase two. You're doing it in a larger population in phase three. You're really uh, doing it to compare to standard of care. So, you know, RGX314 has multiple programs, but the subretinal program actually is in the pivotal stage. So for, for the listeners, I think you need to discuss with your physician 
what is the right trial for you, and then look at risk and benefits uh, of the trial before you sign up. But I think being educated on why the trial is done and what is going to generate is it's always a good idea. Great, and and that's really helpful to explain uh, how this works. So when you talk with your patients or prospective volunteers for a trial, are there kind of common questions or concerns that that pop up in a lot of your a lot of these conversations? Absolutely. The first thing I tell them that I would never do a trial that I'm not comfortable with uh, injecting this in my mother or my sister or myself. So so I do a lot of homework beforehand to sign up for trials to make sure. I'm happy with the safety and efficacy data. And, and you know, when I present the trial to the patient, the first question they ask is, is it safe? So you need to look at the safety of uh, the trial that you're participating. And then the other thing is, how is it going to benefit me or my family members down the road? So, for example, somebody is getting injections in their eye every month for last five years or let's say last two or three years. And, you know, it's a drag to come in, getting injection, waiting in my office for three hours and, you know, bringing a driver, the family member and, you know, daughter or son or husband or whoever, somebody has to take time off uh, or the wife can't do what she's supposed to because she has to bring her husband. So there's a lot of burden. So in this scenario with RGS program, there's a good potential that majority of the patient will just get one and done treatment. So that is very exciting for patients. Of course, when you're in a trial, you know, you have to go through, you know, some other other um, evaluations to make sure we're looking at everything. But the common question is, how is it going to benefit me? And here we are very busy with this trial because nobody wants to get injections in their eye every month or every other month for the rest of their life. So having that opportunity of a one-and-done treatment is very promising. Yeah, no, no certainly could really uh, be a real game changer for uh, for treating wet MD. So uh, several uh, of our listeners have submitted um, questions about essentially, are you still recruiting for this trial, and how would someone get either into this particular trial or a, or a similar a similar trial related to to wet AMD? Yes. Yeah, so so the best thing to always do is to ask your physician about the ongoing trials and see if you're a good fit for it. If your physician doesn't do the trial, they'll probably know somebody in the area who's participating. So yes, the RGX uh, 314 region X bio program, uh, the subretinal program for vet macular is currently recruiting. And, and the way to find out is you can also go to clinicaltrials.gov. That's the website. Um, and you can just put, uh, you know, RGX314 or vet macular degeneration. And, and this is a government website that shows you about all the ongoing trials. They also have ongoing trials for diabetic retinopathy with in-office delivery and also another in-office trial for vet um, macular. So I think the best way is to speak to your doctor, figure out if you're a right fit, ask them to see if they in the area who is doing it. And then that's a great way to get to know. And and remember, there's a lot of inclusion and exclusion criteria for each trial. So not every patient qualifies for every trial, uh, but the only way to find that out is to speak to your doctor or the site that is doing the trial. Mm-hmm. Well, great. And um, so, Dr. Kanani, what... Um What's the timeline? Do you think for for this um, study that that you're that you're helping run? Like, where do you think timeline-wise uh, things go from here? 
Well, so so as I mentioned, there are several different programs with RGX 314. Uh, the Pivotal program that's currently recruiting is the first of the two Pivotal trials. So usually, you know, you're looking at several hundred patients and it takes uh, a few years to recruit and then you get the data in a year or two after that. Um, so, you know, we're looking at within the next, um, you know, three to five years, we should know um, about the data from the pivotal trials. And when I say pivotal trials, it means that if the trial data is 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 positive in terms of efficacy and safety, then FDA application gets filed by the company, and then that treatment is available for patients. So yes, gene therapy is is ongoing work. Uh, Origenix Bio's programs are very advanced, but again, they're still in clinical trials and they're not approved for general population yet. We are hoping within the next three to five years that we may have an FDA-approved indication if the trials uh, show the efficacy and safety that we are looking at. Mm -hmm. Great. Just a, a couple of clarifying questions that we've received from listeners. If you, if this uh, is successful, do you see it as a, a one-time lifetime treatment, or is this something um, that would need you know, some sort of uh, boosters uh, over, over time? So that is a very interesting question because when you look at wet macular degeneration, Michael, it's a very heterogeneous disease, I call it, meaning there are patients who need injections every month to control the disease, and there are patients who only need injections every two to three months. So, so we have some new treatments coming out that may benefit patients go maybe three to four months, but, but basically the need of each patient is different. So what we have seen is that in the in the earlier phase one B two A trial earlier stage trial I would say about two thirds of patients uh, were injection free after getting single treatment with RGX three one four so this is going to be a one time treatment this is not going to be a repeated treatment because the the goal is to uh, you know make your eye a biofactory to secrete the protein so this is a one-time treatment, and there's going to be a subset of patients who may need regular injections uh, in between if their disease is not super well controlled. But even if it's a patient that is getting injection every month, and now you get uh, this treatment and you only need an injection every four or five or six months, I think that still is a game changer in terms of controlling uh, the disease. So, so majority of the patients will be one. I mean, all of the patients will receive one-time treatment. Majority of the patients, the hope is that they're going to be treatment-free after getting this. Great. And uh, one of our listeners is, is um, wanting sort of process question. If something's approved by the FDA, um, does that mean that Medicare and Medicaid and insurance would cover it, or are those two separate kind of decision tracks? So it, it is like a it's like a stepwise procedure. So once you have the data available and it's positive, then there's a package that the companies file with the FDA for approval. Then FDA takes their time, uh, whether it's three months or six months or a year, based on what they provide, they approve the drug. After the approval is obtained, then, then that drug goes to Medicare and insurance companies, and then they come up with a code for it uh, uh, so that it can be built. Obviously, um, you know, so, so after FDA approval comes uh, the availability from insurance companies and Medicare, and Medicare is usually the first one to approve it. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
the hope is that once the FDA approves the drug, there's only a few months or or a short gap before it's available for uh, uh, patients based on what the company decides uh, when to launch the product after the approval. Mm-hmm. Well, great. No, it's very, appreciate the clarification. The listener wondering about gene therapy, like what you're working on and others, would this help people that are currently receiving no benefit from injections, or is this aimed at, at improving the treatment for people when the injections are working? So, so for red macular degeneration, Michael, um, I would say 95-plus uh, percent of patients actually respond very well. The question is visual acuity and if you are gaining vision or stabilizing vision, and that all depends on how the patients present. If they present with a big hemorrhage or a scar, then it's very difficult to reverse that, but we maintain whatever they have, versus if they come with fluid, they can see better. So this treatment will be for patients who are responsive to the current standard of care injection because it's a protein that's very similar to the one we inject in the eye. So in the trials, actually, you have to show a response to the injection before they can be considered for the gene therapy because obviously we want to give it to people who are going to get the most benefit out of it. <laughs> makes makes perfect sense. Um, uh, this is a really exciting uh, overview of your research. Um, are there other uh, projects in, in vision research on, on AMD that, that, that you're very helpful about? Uh, yes, I think uh, so. Gene therapy is gonna is gonna be a game changer, as you and I called it, and I think it really will be. We have uh, certain treatments that are very close uh, to FDA um, approval. We have a molecule that we inject in the eye called uh, fericumab is the name that showed positive phase three data, and that molecule can last longer than current uh, molecule. So. So you can have less injections uh, once it's approved. Uh, it is with the FDA. The decision will be happening in the uh, next few months, we're hoping. There's another uh, uh, treatment called the port delivery system. It's a surgical port that's placed in the eye, um, and, and it releases the drug that we inject in clinics. So instead of getting injections, you get the port surgically, and then you fill the port in clinic every six months. So you don't have to come in for injections frequently. Uh, that is with the FDA also has shown uh, comparable data to monthly injections, and we should hear from FDA about it uh, in a month or so, whether they approve it. So, yeah, And then there's a host of other things that are happening, Michael. I won't get into it. But all I want to tell to the listeners is that this is really exciting time for everybody suffering from retinal diseases. We are doing our best to make your life better and we all need to work together and partner together so we can come up with better treatments. And there is hope uh, and light at the end of the tunnel here to make sure that we keep our precious site um, for all of our patients. Well, great. And a couple of listeners have asked if um, if this gene therapy would help BEST disease, B-E-S-T. Um, is there any connection between the, the work you and others are doing and uh, BEST disease? So, so this this treatment is uh, that we talked about is for wet macular degeneration. Best disease is is a macular disease, but it, it's a genetic disease. So there's a lot of different companies um, that are looking at rare diseases, uh, and they're targeting gene therapy 
for it. Uh, I'm not part of any trials with the best disease, but if the listener wants to go on clinicaltrials.gov and put best disease, they should be able to see if there's any programs around the country that are looking um, at treatment or looking for patients for best disease. Great, thank you. You know, in the, in the uh, few minutes that we have left uh, together, I just want to just sort of kind of go big picture for a couple minutes. In, in kind of your experience uh, as a retinal specialist and in healthcare, is there like a, a main piece of advice you wish all your patients knew, or is there a, a you know kind of common guidance that you you try to make sure that families that are impacted by AMD are aware of? Like, is there you know something that you'd like all of us to uh, to know and to take to heart? Absolutely. I think the most important thing for anybody is to make sure that uh, they take care of their eye health. Uh, that means uh, seeing an ophthalmologist uh, on an annual basis to make sure that uh, that uh, there's no pathology. Uh, uh, when I say ophthalmologists, also optometrists are great. So please see your eye doctor in general on a routine basis. And if you have somebody with macular degeneration in your family, it's a good idea to get checked for it. Uh, you can see a, uh, a retina specialist if you can get into one just to get a baseline exam. And then any vision changes you have that are acute, please get into um, your eye doctor's office sooner than later. I, I can't tell you how many times I have patients who come in too late with their macular degeneration or other diseases and you wish that if they came early, you could have actually saved their vision more. So the bottom line is, please uh, see uh, your eye doctor. Please make sure that um, uh, your eye health uh, is taken seriously. And if you have any new symptoms, uh, please contact your doctor so you can get an evaluation. Uh, the earlier you treat a disease when it comes to retina, the better outcomes you're going to have. And then the other last advice is that if you have macular degeneration and you're getting treatments, uh, injections every month or every other month, you know, after initial three or six injections, you know, once the disease is controlled, you may not see a benefit. And a lot of patients want to drop off treatment thinking that the treatments are not working. The treatments are actually to maintain the vision. So please do not drop off your vision, uh, your, your, your treatment plan that's given by a doctor. Please make sure that you follow the treatment plan and, and stay on course with treatment as recommended by your doctor. I, that's uh, certainly great advice, Dr. Kanani. And I know somebody that uh, we work with at Bright Focus uses the expression, a checkup from the neck up, which I think always drives home that point that you mentioned of, of really taking care of your, of your vision health. And I think it's something, like you said, a lot of people take for granted until you know, until a problem happens. And, you know, kind of one other sort of big picture question that with your patients, do you see, uh, you know, harm or benefit uh, from lifestyles such as uh, diet, exercise, smoking, sunglasses, wearing a hat? Like, do you, what type of uh, advice or best practices do you try to impart to your patients uh, on those lines? Yes, absolutely. You know, healthy, healthy diet is super important for your vision health. Uh, green leafy vegetables, uh, more on the Mediterranean diet routine is, is good. A uh, diet in good, uh, you know, uh, high in vitamins and also omega-3s, it's good. And I also recommend everybody to wear sunglasses outside. I personally do that. Um, and so I think healthy lifestyle with good eating and exercise um, 
it's it's important for your eye health. Um, and a lot of times the question comes about vitamins and what vitamins and eye vitamins and vitamins for macular degeneration. I think those things you have to discuss with your doctor based on the status of your eye health. They will they will recommend something. So so you know it's one of those things where not everything helps everybody. So we need to make sure that any treatment you take or any vitamins you take, you discuss with your doctors. But uh, but a, but a general guidance is to eat healthy green leafy vegetables, sunglasses, and exercise if you can. Well, that sounds like great advice for um, for all of us. Uh, about a week or so from now, we're going to have a transcript up on our website and available to get mailed out. We also will have an audio file of this on our website. And our next chat will be on Wednesday, October 27th. So it's just a little under a month, October 27th. It's going to be very similar today. We're going to uh, get another update on, on clinical trials. And this one uh, will be hearing what the latest research about slowing and stopping vision loss from geographic atrophy, the, the form of dry AMD. So again, that's October 27th. Um, we'll, be, we'll be back. Um, uh, Dr. Connie, I just want to thank you so much. It's been, it's been really exciting to hear, hear your work. It really, again, it seems like something back in the day would have been out of a science fiction uh, movie or science fiction novel. So it's, it's, it's tremendously exciting that, that we got to hear about this firsthand. Um, uh, any, any kind of concluding uh, thoughts or comments that you'd like to leave the listeners with, Dr. Kanani? Well, first I want to thank you uh, and the Bright Focus team for having me here, and I want to thank the listener listeners for spending the time to join us today. I think the bottom line is that it is very exciting time, as I said, and I'm very honored and humbled to be part of this innovation that's happening in, in, in our field of retinal diseases, and gene therapy clearly is going to be a game changer for our patients. And and our hope is that all of us working together, patients, physicians, and companies, will come up with treatments to help our patients. So I just want our patients to, uh, you know, stay hopeful that there is better treatments coming out uh, down the line and, and to take care of their eye health now and to stay on their treatment course until new treatments are available. And personally, I'm super excited to be a part of gene therapy, and it appears that it is real now. We have talked about it for decades, but the time is now, and hopefully in the next few years, we have a treatment option for our patients. So thanks again, Michael. Well, great, and I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think you've given our listeners a lot of um, really encouraging uh, updates and, and kind of a very specific sense of of the progress that's being made in vision science. I think we're, we're, uh, we're moving in the right direction. So to our audience, thank you very much for, for being a part of today's Bright Focus chat. Again, we'll be back October 27th to hear the latest research about geographic atrophy. You can call Bright Focus uh, at 800-437-2423. If you have any, uh, any questions or anything we can help you with, again, that's 800-437-2423. We have a number of, uh, of resources at our website, brightfocus.org. Um, and again, we're, we're, we're here to help you, um, so just give us a call anytime. So uh, on behalf of, of Dr. Kanani and everyone here at Bright Focus, thank you very much for, for being a part of today's conversation. Thanks. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. 
Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.